Uh, yeah, so I'll just uh, I'll introduce you and we'll just jump into it. All right, is that cool? I don't know other, any other way. <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you can, if I have to sign some kind of a disclaimer <laughs> now or something. I don't know. Walls are drenched. Both roofer and plumber here. Had to pay for two service calls. Water drips from all around. Kathy's seeing. My ceiling. Don't use shower. Don't use shower. So welcome everyone. This is uh, another bonus mixtape episode of That Record Got Me High. I'm your host, Rob Elba. And, you know, I'm not even going to try and hide my excitement. I'm really excited uh, for this guest. He's a returning guest. I'd like to welcome to the show from San Pedro, California, Mike Watt. Welcome to the show, Mike. Welcome aboard, Rob, too. Now, Mike, before anything else, I want to say, I don't want to be presumptuous. Would you prefer I call you Mike or, or Watt? There's a lot of Mike's. There's some Watts. You know, I grew up in Navy housing. No one had fucking first names. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, me yeah, me too, actually. <laughs> you understand. So when I answer the phone, also I have a kind of a happening coincidence that my last name is almost like, a, yeah, interrogative, right? Right, right. <laughs> so it's a great way to answer the phone. My pop said when somebody... You know, calls you on the phone, boy. They should know who they're talking to. Oh, <laughs> right. That's good. So it might be confusing to use that use that M name, but the W name that narrows it down a little bit. Right. All right. Well, I guess you. have oh, got four letters. <laughs> they're only separated by one space. Dealer's choice, Rob. Okay. Good. I, I yeah. I just don't want to be. I don't know if it's only close friends that call I you what. I don't know. I don't understand why what has two T's. I mean, some stuff is beyond me, Rob. <laughs> You know, you know, when you were young, do you ever have like a friend's parent that would say, oh, don't call me Mr. So-and-so, call me my name. But I would always feel weird doing that. It's like, no, I can't. I have to call you Mr. <laughs> well, that happened to me with, uh, you know, I helped the Stooges for 125 months. Yeah. And that would happen. People would want to get all presumptuous that I could call Ig by his birth name, and I just didn't feel right about that. Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. Um, all right, so Mike, I will, first of all, I want to ask you because uh, this what we're doing is Mike made a mixtape, a twelve song mixtape for me. But you, I feel like you gave me that really quick. So did you have this in your chamber already, or did you just rattle off twelve songs like that, like off the top of your head? I didn't know you were going to write me that. So when you wrote, I just thought about it. You know, I don't have it. Yeah, I I can't read minds yet. So <laughs> okay, didn't have it you asked for it, but when you asked for it. Of course, you know, I have been asked that about 50 billion fucking times, but I don't always want to give the same answer. So some some of them are on other answers, but th sometimes I don't think I've ever put 
lemon kittens on a mixtape like that. I mean, sometimes they call it Desert Island. Right. Mixtape sounded more like you're trying to turn somebody on to something, where Desert Island sounds like you're just trying to survive with your own world. Right. And you know, in the old days, in the old days, the mixtape was really, really important. That's it. Right. Exactly. A lot of cats couldn't get all the. It's like a kisei in Japan after the Second War. You know, nobody had money for records, so they went to these coffee shops with you know one cat could play, you know, you drink one cup of coffee, make it last all day and hear all these records. And so it's the same idea. You're kind of ambassador turning people on. You know what I mean? Yes. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That's, that's how I feel the same way about the, a mixtape and why I still, you know, you want to use it. For me, that's a completely different mission than the desert island because that's man alone. This is different. This is like emissary rock. Right. So that's more when you gave me your mixtape, you were thinking more that though, right? You were thinking more like that type of mixtape. When I hear the word mixtape, it makes me think of the cassettes that buddies would turn you on to. Exactly. Exactly. Right. When I hear Island, it's more like, well, you only got so much music you're going to listen to for eternity. Right. Exactly. You know, some kind of choice thing on my part. And by that, you can kind of get a little sense. I don't know. Aesthetics. But on the other hand, it seems with the mixtape, I'm really trying to, you know, turn you on to something. Hey, you should hear this. It doesn't mean like you have to like it, but at least hear it once. Right, right. Yeah. And I feel like obviously it's a little bit of both, though, because you're this obviously is it sort of gives us a peek into what you like and your aesthetic. And but it also it's also stuff that you want maybe because you did, you know, maybe about half the songs you gave me I knew and then you turned me some stuff I, I wasn't familiar with, even if I was familiar with the group, I didn't uh, not that particular song. So, you know, it's great. That's what's great about it. I was thinking about a period in the 70s, actually, late 70s. Right. And if you notice, none of the stuff is that new. It's probably from the late 70s. So I was thinking of this period, which is when I got turned on to things like mixtapes. Right. And, and uh, yeah, and I'm going to do it in the order you gave me, because I assume, because it's a really good order. It's a good order for a mixtape, you know, and it's a really good mixtape. Put them in twos. And the, by twos, I mean U.S. and overseas. Oh, okay, okay. Nice. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see that. I didn't notice that, but they're in twos like that. Because the way the movement was for me in the 70s, I could go to the whiskey and see the germs and the Dales, nervous gender, screamers, but I couldn't really get a lot of their records. And then the only way I knew the bands overseas was by their records because they never came and played up in Hollywood, you know? Right. So that's why I kind of did that. It was kind of my experience. Yeah, that's great. I didn't notice that. Now I'm looking at it and it's like, oh yeah, you did do that. That's great. Uh, all right, so let's start off uh, the mixtape. We got the first song. Uh, we know this. It's a title track to Richard Hell and the Voidoids, 1977 debut, uh, Blank Generation. <laughs> Take it or leave it each time. 
more do you need, right? I tell you, it blew my mind that the bass player, not only the leader, the band he wrote the song, I mean, he was the whole enchilada. Right. Before that, bass, you know, coming from arena rock world and shit, and hierarchy with that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was like lit, right field in Little League, you know? It was right. where you put the top of the When the movement came, it was all different. All, everything. So I put a picture of Richard Hell on my bass, you know? And it was kind of a line in the sand, 1977. Right. And <clears throat> here in Pedro, people like, you know, so-called rock and roll, right? Because you're a great, I don't know supporter of the arena rock scene that means you were more rock and roll than little richard which i never understood Nuremberg <laughs> rallies fuck that shit because we didn't know about club stuff you know this is when i look back now especially after helping the stooges for 125 months you know i found out there was a, a club scene little bands garage bands little labels all that and then in the 60s, and it just got steamrolled for a couple of years. And, it, you know, me and D. Bone and Georgie were 13 in 1970. So that was the situation. So you don't appreciate something, maybe, or somebody else, it might be hard for them to fathom why you could be so into that, unless they had your experiences. So Richard Hell just blew my mind. It inspired me to no end. And the, the whole movement did, you know? Yeah. Use music for expression. I mean, I used it before that to be with my friend but they were going to let us do that in public and then also use it for expression yeah I was, and then also on that record there's a cover of a Creedence song I couldn't believe that the only one Tom Fogarty wrote for the band so uh, when I asked Richard Hell about that uh, he said it was Bob Quine's idea oh okay nice <laughs> incredible incredible mind blow that record everything about it his words his bass is singing the, both those guys playing the guitar. I got to have Ivan Julian on my Watt from Pedro show on a few months ago. Uh, incredible. And uh, the drummer there is the guy who uh, went on to the Ramones later, Marky. Yeah, Marky, great. And it's like kind of an underrated drummer because people don't realize, I mean, I guess a lot do, but that, what a great drummer he is. Not to be a great drummer. He's wearing a pair of scissors in his fucking uh, belt loop. <laughs> <laughs> just Richard Hell's whole look, he's everything about him. He was just an incredible inspiration to me. I owe that man so much. And so that's why I wanted him first yep. on this thing. And uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It makes sense. Makes sense. And now, of course, I guess people who know you wouldn't be surprised that you got a Blue Oyster Cult uh, song on here. So, <laughs> Ben, <laughs> good. The time I was on your show, it was to celebrate their second album. That's right. And Albert, drummer man, has just asked me to sing a song for his new Maginos. He's going to re-imagine Maginos, the thing he did with Sandy Pearlman. Oh, wow. Kind of coincidence. So, so I awesome. wanted to refer to you because that's why I'm on the show, because we celebrated Tyranny Mutation. Yes. Also, it was a big band for me and D. Boone. Oh, we saw, of all the arena rock shows, Blue Oyster Cult is the band we saw the most. Yeah, right. And I got, all right, I got, I, yeah, I got some questions I got to ask you about, but, but let's listen to it first. Let's listen to the song you picked this time. She's as beautiful as a foot.
good because it's still it, it's still it's like so weird and creepy but then it also just rocks you know they they always just rocked out too really good but they always just had this uh, what was it so I'm gonna ask you what is it about these guys how come this band from New York got to be like the way they are what do you think made them so different I don't know why the Minutemen coming from Pedro sound different yeah. on this. No, I mean, we're all born with uh, individual thumbprints. You know, it's so funny. We have to do all this art stuff to prove that we are individuals. While at the same time, we have so much in common. Now, this wasn't from Tyranny Mutation. This is actually from, because that was the second album. This is the first album. And the lyrics are from Richard Meltzer. And I think talking to the guys, you know, I know in the band and Richard, they were very influenced by the, the, the blues uh, project, Al Cooper and all this. But you wouldn't hear know that, you know, in a way. Because I think they were trying to, even though they're using this, you know, rock and roll and all this common stuff we all use, and they wanted to f- somehow find their own voice. And I, I think that that's always kind of the dilemma, you know, not being a Xerox machine, but yet not being, you know, some kind of wanker, just you know, just a show off, you know. It's, right, it's right. A, it's weird, yeah, it's a weird mission, right? You're trying to bridge a gap, but not in a lame way. Right, and and just the thing with them is that they would pick. I I think part of it for me with them is always like just they the things they would sing about wouldn't isn't the normal rock and roll tropes you would sing about, you know. I hate that n word, you know, because what does that mean? I I could understand healthy or unhealthy, but. No, here's here's an insight that, that was offered to me from Joe Bouchard, Albert's brother, the bass man. He said the house they were living in right there, there's the, Stony Brook, they go to school. Well, the three principals, Buck Dharma, Albert Bouchard, Al Lanier. And they would write the music separate. The, the, the lyrics would be a papers in a bowl sitting on, or, uh, sitting on top of a piano inside the main uh, living room they all shared. So in a way, they were. It was two different worlds: the words and the music. Right. I think that yeah, and I think that allowed uh, parallel universes to get in there. You had different layers of meaning. Onion. onion yeah, rock. yeah, that's the thing. That it, it's it's all mysterious. Look, look, look the Oyster Cult uh, label and look at the song credits. You'll see three, four, five names. Also, they had no real one uh, lead singer. I mean, Eric Bloom singing there, but. Buck Dharma sing, Don't Fear the Reaper. You know, Albert sang Cities on Flames. Joey B- Bouchard, great, sings great songs Bouchard too. Yeah. Flames and Hot Rail to Hell. Yep. And, yeah, so it was kind of trippy that way. You know, they, in some ways, they bucked a lot of the right uh, a priori way you put together a band. They kind of screwed right, right. with the thing. Yeah, that, it was more of a collective, it seemed. Yeah, yeah, and I know you saw. I mean, I saw them early. I know you would see. I I remember seeing them when I was young, and when they would all uh, play guitar, all of a sudden they'd all be on stage playing guitar. I mean, yeah, what other band did shit like that? But Al- Joe would stay on bass, but Albert grabbed a guitar. Right. Yeah, and he used to get it in the middle of ME two sixty two. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and they used a lot of black humor, and you know, they had it w- without you know being weird Al Yankovic. Uh, they had it was a trip. You know, it was like they weren't dangling from puppet strings like they were in on the the artistic side of it really big time and uh, as far as being creative you know yeah yeah you know a lot of black humor a lot of satire but then a lot of playing really uh tight together each guy had their own things the way they brought all the parts it was really interesting 
And like that trebly stuff on Hot Rails to Hell, D. Boone used that in Minutemen sound. You know, in a way, we felt like uh, we were informed by rock and roll through the Blue Oyster Cult in some a lot of ways. Right, right, right. And uh, just and also what I just got to say real quick, I'm not going to mention the podcast, and I don't know the guy's name, but you were on a po- you were on a podcast a while ago. I heard and. I, 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 and you were just talking to the guy and it was some young guy and you mentioned Bloyster cult and he had never heard of him. And, and he was from long Island and you were just, I just, the yeah, sat, that's you, where were, from, right? you were just so disappointed. Like, no, come on. Yeah. How many people in Pedro, younger people, more younger know that, you know, Charles Bukowski is even in the same boneyard as D Boone. That's it. Yeah, I guess it's, I a, mean, it's a generational thing. They end up in the city, San Francisco, uh, in the early 80s called Black Humor. And they had this one song where the lady screams in one of the verses. The only thing new is you finding out about it. Ah, that, yeah, that's great. <laughs> you know that's I, mean? it. I wish. And with the Internet, there is more, you know, knowledge, more information at hand in the old days, what it was library and encyclopedias, but this, uh, what you, what you need to make that actually mean something is people got to have hankering, right? They got to be curious. Yeah. Right. 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 Chat went, went, yeah. I realized he didn't know, but it didn't seem like he was, uh, all jaded like i don't need to know that right no no exactly he legitimately just never heard him but you were just like and you were very patient with him you said oh well don't fear the reaper maybe you've heard that you know (laughs) yeah yeah. or burning for you yeah you've probably heard them so maybe you just don't realize it but yeah i just thought that was like it's a like you said it's a generational thing you can't help it you know in the saturday night live with the Cat with the cowbell and Chris Walken. Oh like, yeah, ah, yeah. I'm Some I'm sure young, yeah, younger people. That's how they know them. Yeah, maybe not, because <laughs> I've heard the same thing about, let alone Blue Oyster Cult, Rolling Stones. Uh. <laughs> They're asking people they don't know who Rolling Stones is, you right, know. But right, it, it's it's trippy about that kind of stuff. What what is the lingua franca? <laughs> like how many young people know about Little Richard? Right, even right, in, right. I, even in the seventies, I wonder how many people knew about Little Richard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so now we get the British. So we got the two uh, American bands. Now we get the British side, and you brought us an alternative television song. And uh, this is an English band from London in uh, 1977. Let's listen to another. Coke. Thank you. 
was in a toilet. I was in a toilet at school. So I'll play more of this underneath because it actually goes into this like little uh, lurid, a pretty like lurid little story, right? Well, you know, I bet you it probably fucking really happened. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> it sounds like it did. Well, I did. You know, people say, oh, Ramones, three chords. This is one chord. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, it's a lick. In fact, it's kind of a U.S. blues kind of tradition it sounds they're tapping into yeah yeah but it's a really good groove and um supposed to yeah, that in it's 1977 this idea of people judging stuff before they even hear it that if you ask me is a pretty sophisticated lick by guys just learning how to play right 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 and, and that's what the minute you know yeah you don't have to do a bunch of chords it could be one chord but it's the way you play that one chord and then the story you're trying to tell right Right, absolutely i'm absolutely. in there, I'm in there. This, this was the idea people want to take a shortcut on the truth punk the movement was just you know an extension of this long tradition of rhythm melody stories and maybe yeah, you don't have a Berkeley School of Music degree. That was so funny when I that Richard Hell record. They had Bob Quine's little ID card from the Berkeley School of Music. Oh, you know, nice! Really <laughs> ironic. Yeah, and, and and you listen to the whole thing. It's a live recording. It was a B side to the seven inch they had that they put out on their own label. They don't know how to end it. They have to fade it out. Right. You know? <laughs> these guys are just jamming it. I just, there was something about that that was just so inspiring. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, well, that's the thing. That That's why it's great because this list you gave me, you could say, well, it, it, is it all punk? But it's all different things. But that's the idea. It It isn't that's one thing. Idea. It doesn't have to be one thing. It's not a style of music to us. No, not at all. It's a state of mind. Yeah. And then you and your guys were going to bring your take on a style. But the, the universe that, the, or the big boat it was floating on, was called No Style. You know, whatever, what, what cabin held which group of cats. Right. And, you know, that that's my idealistic way of looking back at the thing. If anything, the movement was anti-arena rock. Had nothing to do with one chord, three chords, a, a, a ska, reggae, uh, heavy metal, what, what, whatever you wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. You know? I think Mark Smith, right, from the fall, he said, "My, your grandma and bongos and me are the fall. You know, anything's the fall. That's the fall. It's the fall. Yeah, if I do it. Oh, well, great. And that's a great segue into your next pick. Yeah, this is great because I know I'm I'm a big fall fan. I've always been a big Mark Smith fan. There, Rob, did that on purpose. It's a sagui. Huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's great. That was a great fucking album. And then what he's talking about is kind of, a bottom line to what I think was important principle of the movement. My ball's on the line, man. Do you take a chance, fan? Yeah, yeah, right, right, exactly. It's and it's sort of like yeah, because what it's 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 actually it's based. I guess it's based on this book, The Dice Man, where the where the all the decisions the the protagonist made was just by the throw of a dice, <laughs> like right, random. Right. Even the band name The Fall came from a book. He's very literate, cat. Yeah. But from a working class situation, all that, so, so we could relate with that very much, being Minutemen and stuff. And sometimes these cats would be a trip, you know. They would be saying things you, you're ready to hear, even though you had no idea what you they didn't were know. Saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's a trip about that. Yeah. It came just at the right time, though. All right, let's listen to this uh, great song from Dragonet, uh, Dice Man. I am the Dice Man. I take a chance, huh? Do you take a chance, huh? 
Like you were saying, I mean, there it is right there, just built on a classic uh, a Bo Diddley beat, right? It's the Bo Diddley riff repurposed yep. for 1978 or something when that came out. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and he was, I mean, I don't know what it is about Marky Smith, but I love, I don't think there's no, every fall record, I feel like there's good, you know, there may be some, there's always good shit on, because they, uh, for someone that wants to get into him, it's kind of daunting because he put out so many records, but I swear you you could, you can't find anything bad. Yeah, Slag Slates and Grotesque, that's about, after that, I, I fell off, but man, all them records, and all those seven inches. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, up to that point, I know very well. It was like Blue Oyster Cult, like at a point, y- you let go. <laughs> right, but I, mean, I like even when he was doing like dance stuff and did, I still liked it though. I tell you, <laughs> I'm not trying to judge him or anything, but right, it's right. weird. It's weird, like you know, up to fucking Agents of Fortune, and then yeah, I, I kind of fall off with Black Sabbath up to a Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, and I fall off. Up to the fall, up to grotesque, I fall off. I think you know what I say that a lot, Mike. Too, it's it, it's weird. It must be something with musicians or something. We don't even bands we love. You just kind of you you move on after a while. You move on to other things, and and you still love all their stuff, but you you don't necessarily stay on board for every the whole journey later. You just move on to other things. I, I agree, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what are you gonna? But thank God, there's other people. There's people that do stay with bands. I don't even think about it. It, it just naturally seemed to ha- that. That's how it happened. Right. Right. And exactly. Then I, exactly. I meet other cats like yourself, and they tell me the same thing. Yeah. It's yep. not like I'm kind of getting all judgmental and folding your arm and scratching your chin and, yeah. and tapping your foot, <laughs> throwing your chalk down on the ground and making a with your arms like a sugar bowl or making like a teapot and getting all angry <laughs> at them. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so now we got now we go back to uh, U.S. We go to Texas, and we got Rocky Erickson. So you had to pick a Rocky song, right? Uh, from from his solo, the, the Evil One. Let's listen to Mine, Mine, Mine. gave me this listen and listening to this song then i'm thinking of course mike watt's a huge fan of rocky Ellison. of course he is because yeah I, I, you know, said the evil one's the album that came out on when it came out in the u.s it was called the evil one and they had some different so- songs in the england one but i got it when it came out first 
and it was in England on CBS. And the letters, you couldn't tell what it was called because the letters were from outer space. You know? right. so, <laughs> Rocky's head's like splitting open some dogs jumping out of his head. It's the most trippy album cover. Yeah. But uh, the thing about Rocky, man, for me, whenever I hear him, it's like he's singing right at me. He's looking me right in the eye. Even though, you know, it's coming over stereo speakers and right. it's a recording. It's just quality to the way he delivered performances with his music. Just, I don't know what, why, but it just resonates. Like, you know, this ain't from a machine. This is from a human guy and he's having fun with words. He loves word plays. He oh, loves yeah, rhyming. yeah, absolutely. Raised in a crazy thing with his ma. Have you ever seen that documentary with the religion and that stuff? And yep. he, he works all that in there. And, and what you know, he, they put him in prison for for Motha and gave him electroshock and put him in a ward with a bunch of murderers. And his story is so trippy. And even if you didn't know that, uh, his music's kind of a product of that. And, uh, at the other, at the same time, he's using very traditional tools. Yes, uh, as far as music, yeah. And, and to me, that was an important thing about the movement. You used whatever you had. Like, for example, Ralph, if you got a little a pocket knife there, where's the art? Is it in the pocket knife or what is going to be carved with a pocket knife? That's what I think of with Rocky Erickson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because a lot of his songs, they're just they're really good songs. They could be if, if you put different words and maybe made it into a straight up love song, they could be like a like a hit pop song. But then he got he's got these crazy lyrics that he throws on them. You could tell he was a big fan of 50s music. He uses yes. these chords from, you know, Earth Angel and all that stuff uh, in his own music. You know, what he grew up with, Lil Richard, right? He even sings kind of like Lil Richard. I mean, it's, it's just beautiful, but he repurposes them for the Rocky, you know, I'm going to, this is my voice. This is my my vision. This is my, right. my word and, and, and the commitment. And when, you know, Hank put out his book, right, Openers 2, because for a long time, no no lyric sheets or anything. And then Hank put out the book, and it was like getting the Germs album, right? And, and said, wow, Darby singing this? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, because in a way, sometimes Rocky was like that. It was, it was, it kind of, but John Fogarty, too, it's, it's weird. And uh, Creedence, you know the connection, right? Uh, well, I figured now I now I know how you're putting this together, so I figured there is. So no, uh, tell me, what is the connection? Producer of this album is Stu Cook, the bassman. Oh. It's Rob, the only thing new is you finding out right, about exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, that's an awesome segue. Uh, let's go into the uh, uh, Credence Up Around the Bend. Sink and ship behind. Come on around. 
those two songs back to back, I also just realized two guys, Rocky Erickson and uh, John Fogarty, that as soon as they open their mouth, you know who exactly who it is. Right. Well, I think all the music I gave you is like that. Mark Perry with alternative TV. Right. You know, Eric Bloom with the BOS. Yeah, because Mark Boland, you know, I didn't put on any. I was going to give you T-Rex. You know, that was the first gig me and D. Boone saw. When I met D. Boone, only rock banding, we were 12 years old, right? He jumped out of that tree on me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. His name. I, I was just reading that <laughs> today, actually. That's great. Right. Also in that. Uh, we Jamie Cano documentary you can see on youtube.com. But anyway, the only rock band D Boone knew was Creedence. So Creedence is so key to me with him, with music. Right. You know? And then this song, John Fogarty never t- tells you exactly what is up around the bed. And, and Stu Cook's bass, he's doing eighth note like he's almost a premonition of the punk movement. Right, right, right. That guitar lick is so much part of uh, D. Boone's sound. I mean, it's just oh, so yeah. signature. And, and it's only got enough to do it, right? It's kind of kind of right to the point, but it's still loose enough that you can write your own story into it. It's just, just fucking bitching. I mean, Tom Fogarty really had talent. And the Creedence Band, Doug Clifford, the brother Tom on the rhythm, you know, was fucking brother Tom's band, <laughs> right? It's, it's just a trip about it. When I think of Creedence, you know, and you're right. It's it's funny how kitsch and shtick, you know, when you're trying to talk about something that's traditional. But actually, Rocky and CCR, they're using a lot of traditional things to be very contemporary. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, Creedence ain't just about country. There's swamp. There's R and B. There's all kinds of stuff in that in that music, you know. Right. And uh, and also, I I hear my friend, you know, that's how he learned guitar. In fact, you know, his mom puts me on bass. Right. We're gonna have a band. The first day I come over to that pad, and I don't even know what a bass is, and and I can't hear what it is on the Creedence. D Boone's got you know, forget fuck Mardi Gras, but the the first Sex Records, and you know, there's a half an inch of grape juice on. He ain't using the sleeves, you know. Yeah. Five dollar record player. You need seven quarters to keep from skipping on it. So I can't hear the bass. No, the the guitar cuts through, but the bass is like buried. I am looking at the album covers. Yeah, and I'm noticing what the singer's wearing, and I think, oh, Mark Bolin has a boa. This guy likes these uh, plaid things, you know. And I don't know farmers or lumberjacks, you know, from the house. So I want to wear those shirts, and that's how I got the flannels. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, maybe D. Boone will still like me because I cannot tell what this guy is playing on bass. I mean, I know nowadays, right? but I learned a lot more from Jack Bruce in those days. Sorry, Stu Cook. But later on, I, I learned. Yeah, the the basses that stuck out, that like stuck out, that oh, was, yeah. that's what that you could hear. Yeah. He, he wrote a lot of good – and Doug Clifford, uh, incredible drummer, 18-inch hi-hats later on. You know, I got to have him on my show, and I, I got a huge appreciation. If you're in the boat with Watt, you want to hear Creedence, you're getting all six albums in order, okay? Okay, That's nice. That, that, that <laughs> all right, good to know. Guy, uh, I heard they stopped making them, but <laughs> I still got mine, and you're getting all six albums in, in order. All right. All right, so we're going back to England. We got the pop group formed in uh, Bristol in 1977. Let's listen to this. Uh, oh, man, this is fierce, some fierce shit. Let's listen to oh, Forces yeah. of Oppression. Treaty fires, she's the treaty fires, she can't do nothing 
So here again, this is some intense stuff. And, and I will admit, the, the Pop Group is a band I've always heard about, but I never really knew much about them or never dug into them at all. Well, you know, in those days, go, there was a record store in Long Beach here, which is the other side of the harbor, uh, west side, Los Angeles Harbor, San Pedro, north side, Wilmington. Anyway, it was called Zyder London. And man, nobody wrote about these records, so we would pick... <laughs> And the seven inches were only two dollars, so you would either the the, out, uh, the record cover, seven inch, and then an album was like five dollars. You'd either pick it by the way the co- uh, cover art was, or the name of the band, or right, the name right. of the song. Hey, you just threw the dice. Talk yeah. about being dice man. We were the dice men. Right. So I couldn't believe that a band would call themselves a pop group, and they had these people wearing mud heads. And then when we, so we went for it, we got it, and it was like whoa. It's kind of like the only parallel I could tell you is maybe young U.S. guys in the 60s hearing Rolling Stones and like, you know what? Maybe we should check this blues shit out. Like you need somebody from England to tell you about your own traditional music. Right. You're <laughs> right. Pop, you guys. They take Cat and Beefheart and put it with Parliament Funkadelic. Yes. Why not? Yeah, that's I mean, it. That's the it. Of the whole fucking movement of you. There's no rule. It's whatever you want to do. You can put together whatever you want. It's your band. Right, right. Exactly. I, exactly. I have any, well, I got to tell you, Rob, there was so much Berlin Wall in my brain. I thought all, you know, these kind of things because I'm reading what critics think of this and that and listening to the friends and what goes with what and you're looking at bills rock and roll bills and it's all segregated and then you get this you know fresh air stuff like you know cats just making records because they wanna and it's a mind blow and it it was like because d boom was into this idea of one antidote to arena rock was because he thought the political thing was not in words. He thought words in songs were just thinking out loud. He just thought bringing up the drums and the bass guitar was a political statement. Right, and bringing right. down the guitar and taking the cue from the R&B guys where they play trebly and kind of clips, so the bass and the drum. Of course, me and Georgie was in it. <laughs> yeah. But that's what he thought. And here these guys were doing this. And, you know, like I said about parallel universes, it, you know, we had nothing to do with them except share for love of music. Yeah, right. No, yeah, no, nothing. Com- completely different upbringing. Right, right. And uh, so Pop Group just spoke to us like nothing else. I mean, it, incredible influence on us. And we never got to see him play. I finally, about three years ago, got to see him play live. They came to SoCal. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Yeah, they- uh, Echo Park. Oh, that's awesome. I saw them. Yeah, but this is like, what, almost 40 I years? I know. <laughs> I know. Well, you know. Later, we were actually a year older. These guys were teenagers. Yeah. We're actually a year or two older than these guys. I've gotten to be friends with Mark Stewart. In fact, I'm on his new st- uh, solo album. We uh, come up for a Grand Heart song. Uh, Garrett, the guitar oh, man. Nice. That's Bruce awesome. Smith playing with uh, Johnny Rottnell also. And he was, uh, I saw him in Hollywood about a month ago when I was helping the Porto for Pyro's guys. Incredible uh, stuff. I remember uh, when Double Nickels on the Dime with, recorded with Ethan James, we played him this song. 
He says, you know, you guys sound like Minutemen. We said, okay, but man, this knocked our shit out. Ah, <laughs> all right, well, that's great. I'm glad you mentioned Double Nickels on the Dime, because I know, and this probably isn't an original thought, but I always felt uh, Double Nickels on the Dime as the American uh, pink flag, uh, just for me. Yeah, 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 well, I think one of the, that band is coming up next, because the other England band at this time that we never got to see until, like, late late 80s. Right, right, never right was wire. I mean, this, this idea of little songs and what, and why have a guitar solo? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You know, and why have a bridge, get in and get, get in and get out, say what you want to say and get in and get out. Seemed like both these bands, you know what I mean? They had a clean slate. There was no a priori things. You do what you do. Right. We loved it. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So this is, this was a single, right? This was a standalone single in 1978. Uh, let's listen to dot dash. I loved about Minutemen. I also loved about Wire, and uh, but I, I know uh, also when you think when you're li- when you heard that when you're younger, it's just to me. I remember when I would get the imports and just the, these guys singing with these thick British accents. It just sounded so exotic to me, you know. Yeah, absolutely. What what what, what that meant to us was like, yeah, we're not going to affect you know with the A, not with the E, affect some kind of persona. We're you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, just going to be ourselves. Anyway, so I'm not trying to say keep it real, but we're not trying. You know, it's a it's a trip. It's uh, it was like I was tr- saying at the beginning of the song. They gave us the geo. They gave us the go. You know, you can do it. You can do it. Look at us. Right, right, don't, right, right. Like don't don't copy us. <laughs> right. Get your own thing going. That, like Joe Ramon once told me, punk's a big. Hey, wagon! If you got something to bring, come on. Yeah, and and that's what was so ex- exciting about it. And and these bands, a lot of these bands we loved, you would get better. You could hear the bands getting better. You get better musicians, but you're still forging new paths. You're being original. You're not just trying to copy something. You're being original, but yeah, you're getting better. But it's still great. I wonder if a good song is really about good musicianship. I think they're two different things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because there's plenty of fucking terrible fusion songs. Yeah, right, exactly. With great play, yeah, monster players. <laughs> that yeah. cats can't play. That are unlistenable, yeah. Right? Yeah. Ain't that a trip? <laughs> Ain't that a trip? Shows to go, yeah. So anyway, uh, really inspiring to us, these two bands from England. Yep, for sure. 
songs, right? Because Pink Flag had like 30 and 40 second songs. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The, way the lyrics on the, the record sleeve, they didn't make it like it was a lead sheet, like you were singing with them in the studio. They were like paragraphs. Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> like, no, but to us, it was saying you're in charge of your band and your songs. You don't have to live up to some script. Right. I think it was a very important tenet of the movement. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what was your what was your connection to the germs or just you did you get to experience them like as 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 it, that was all happening? I saw them maybe 20 times. Yeah, okay. I had a feeling. All right, so let's listen uh you picked the great song you picked Richie Dagger's Crying. Here's a band you could tell that's just bursting out. It's like all attitude. It's almost all attitude and uh, a conviction, and you, you know. But it's also Pat Smear, incredible musician. I mean, I, th- I thought he invented his own kind of music. And you got to understand, this is the other side of the coin of our experience with the movement. Some of it's records from England where we never see the band. We only know them by their sounds, like Wire and Pop Group. But then the other ones are the gigs where we actually are seeing these bands. Right. The record didn't come out. GI didn't come out for a while, so you, you know these things were. Only, I only knew them live. Right. You needed both things: the experience of being in a club. Here was the other thing too, man. I mean, you know, I was closer. I could see Lorna play. A bass had bigger strings. That's why. <laughs> right. Arena <laughs> gig. You know, I yeah. love T Rex and Ship, but the guy was like an eighth of an inch, a sixteenth of an inch high, and I didn't even know what the bass player was, but but. And, and the other thing is, like, the guy standing next to you when the germs are done, he's up on stage, and now Pat's standing next to you. You could talk to him or Darby. I mean, it was a total trip that way. But the germs was like such, you know, I never saw a band like that. I never experienced that. Right. And and and, and, and I think in an arena, I wouldn't have been able to appreciate that. But in a club with them in your face? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. God, visceral. Uh, it's uh, like a visceral thing. Or something. Yeah, very visceral. Very visceral, very inspiring. You know, I remember the first gig we saw was the bags, and I looked over at D Boom without thinking out of my mouth rolls, we can do this. Right, right, right. That's great. I never did that arena show. I don't know how many fucking bands got started at an arena show. No, no, because you, if you're looking as great as Blue Oyster Cult is, you're not naturally going to look at them and go, oh, we could do this, because you could maybe think, I don't know if we can do this. <laughs> you're in the dark anyway. You don't talk to them. Everybody's right, sitting there. Right. It's just bullshit. It's just a whole nother thing. And the germs, you know, and also for those days, Richie Dagger's crime. You don't know how uptight those days were. And not even just the square Johns, Rob. The, the guys who c- consider themselves rock and rollers, they thought punk was some jive-ass 
I mean, it was a lot of shit that you don't have to deal with now, which I'm very grateful to. But in a heart, in a big way, it's hard to believe, right? Because the hate was just so much on you. And what was Richard Daggy's Dagger's crime? You know, he wants have a funny name and some funny clothes and write his own songs. Right, right, right. Assholes. You know, to get on people like that, it was just so. Ah, ah. But I love germs, and I still got my germs armband. And then I, I think I gave you Dills, too. I mean, huge inspiration. Yeah, the but Dills. This is the side of it. I know we're playing records now, but what I'm trying to get over to you is the, the experience of seeing this stuff live, because there was nothing like it. Oh, yeah. For us. Now, I'm, I was going to ask you about this one, You're Not Blank. Well, well, let's wait. Let's listen to it, the Dills, You're Not Blank, and then I got to ask you something about it. You're Not Blank. <laughs> amazing to me young guys like this the the lyrics uh well, you're so out of time it's not 1969 what are you trying to be you're just a hippie you're not blank so baby we're through i was gonna ask you, you is is this like a bookend to the blank generation like was is that the same idea maybe see i didn't get to see richard hell play until 1982 he didn't come over right so right that's all i knew but i i, I thought there might have been some kind of connection because of that word right also, the bass player was a real important guy. Now, Chip is singing, his younger brother's singing this, but Tony 19 was huge influence on me. Uh, just an incredible cat, his, his persona. I didn't understand what Dill's music was like, you know, or Germ's music, or, or Screamers, or Nervous Jet. It was so intense to get this in your face. Right. But it fucking inspired you. Yeah, because it was different than the records. When you get when they get, the record came out, and then you got that, which was a trip, you know, but you only knew these things as gig songs. Right, right, right. And that's a whole other way of of knowing music, and it, it's just another way of getting lit, you know, and uh, really kind of interesting and uh, kind of mysterious. Uh, and and again, the the idea of the bass player being the big guy in the band, I yeah. mean, <laughs> right. that shit. Because yeah. that, that didn't happen before that. Yeah, yeah. They were just, it was just the guy standing all the way over to the side on the right, like all the way over to the side of the stage. I found out later, actually, Yes was run by the bass player, Chris Squire. Okay, good for him. <laughs> yeah, the other, I read some news story where the other guys tried to tour using that name and they couldn't because he owned it. Ah, all right. <laughs> I always thought the bass was like, yeah, your t- retarded friend, something that, you know, give the, right. just the, 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 the helpless or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then some, but you know, yeah, the whole idea about thinking out loud, you know, the lyrics and the songs, they're just, I remember being a boy and I was thinking they were like lead guitar, you know, we thought Bob Dylan was some trippy 
great uncle at Thanksgiving muttering stuff, but we didn't understand what words were like in songs for. And it was the punk rockers. We still didn't know what it was for, but it was for something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this this next one, Lemon Kittens, this is something you brought me that I really didn't know anything about. And I also, I should mention, Mike did me a real solid because he not only gave me his list, he, he sent me the MP3s of all these songs, made it really easy on me. So I, I thank you so much for that. I didn't know if you'd be hip to Lemon Kittens. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, obscure to me, obscure, uh, I guess from formed in Reading, uh, England in 1977. Uh, but let's listen, uh, to the song Afraid of Being Bled by Leeches. say is this punk is this post-punk but just again it's something totally different and unique again. to me that word post-punk is like podcast i don't use those i know words. i i know you know what i i'm trying not to we just discussed that i forget who i had on but they said the same thing we said now nah, we what does that even mean it doesn't mean anything because <laughs> now i wanted to give you something from the movement that didn't have guitar because there was a lot of 70s punk in fact, I think these guys were friends of the Throb and Gristle people. Oh, okay, okay. You know, like the Screamers, who you know thought records were over, so they only made a video. They wouldn't even make records. Right, right. They were the first band that could sell out the whiskey. That guitar, you know, when hardcore came in the 80s, yeah, okay. But it was different, I think, because maybe, because you had a lot of people from Glitter and Glam. You had older people. You didn't really have as much kids in 70s punk. You wanted people wanted to be liberated from arena rock and i wanted to play you and and you know what you could tell the lyrics from england you know whilst yes I mean, right <laughs> right <laughs> the pith of the beast in the village wild i mean <laughs> just this whole thing that you could get a parallel universe going that's the idea of the movement it's not important what kind of word you put on the genre that's fucking gulag shit anyway it, what's more important is that these guys find a voice and whatever devices they got, it's just this guy and this lady. And uh, when you, what's the album called? We buy a hammer for a daddy. You listen to this thing and every fucking tune is different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's only two people. I guess he played all the instruments. She helps sing and, but whatever that, you know, it's, it's this thing again, growing up with this certain way things are supposed to be. And then confronted with the inconvenient truth of, 
no, it doesn't have to be that. Yeah, yeah. There could be a band with no guitar player that just doing this weird shit, and it's still they still, in their own way, rock out. I, I met the singer of the band. He said he saw Ig play, and he said, man, because he was doing art, I want to be a singer, too. They were called Suicide. Right, 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 right. Just a few years, and there's no guitar. Yep. And that's some of the heaviest shit that exists. <laughs> You know, and and, and uh, you know, there was no mercy up in the city. Uh, it was this lady singing with her uh, lady friend on drums. I mean, you, you know, I, I, it's hard to explain to people because they weren't there, and it's not like you're better than them. It's just some coincidence, a situation of timing. Right. But it's not just Mohawks and playing fast guitar. It's you let the freak flag fly. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so that's what I want to show with this this tune here. Yeah, yeah, no, that was awesome. It was a it was a great find, hard to find. So that's why I said I'm glad you sent it to me. Oh, we're doing by doing music like this, and this is what the minute was been trying to get in on too. Right, right, right. By playing like this and sticking it out, you're trying to give the geo to other cats. It's okay to let that freak flag fly. We don't have to make a branding kind of move. Yeah. Yeah, that's what, yeah, it, it always amazes me uh, that band, because I, I think band, I, like, you could write a song literally about anything, so why are you, why would you want to write a song that's exactly like, you know, thousands of other songs? You could write about anything, so do it. I'm going to use music to service a lifestyle, and I think some people that is their goal, but other people, it's more of like, uh, what, what's that Devo song, Uncontrollable Urge. Yep. Yeah, they can't help it. It's got to come out. I, wanna, I, I would rather err on that side than, oh, I'm going to try to win the lotto and service a lifestyle with the song that everybody, you know, with last week's hit. Exactly, exactly. Well, it's where I think I I, I will say it's uh, going record as saying it, it, it's worked out for you, for sure. All right, and now you end the list with a, a awesome ending song, I think. A great song to end the list. The only, like, really, like, epic song that's on here, and you pick a Harry Nilsson song, which maybe is a little bit of a surprise, but not really, especially this song. We could discuss it, but let's just listen to a little bit of it. Uh, Harry Nilsson, Jump Into the Fire. So you're, I'm, I'm assuming you're probably a Harry Nilsson fan, but partially this song's got to be that that bass though, right? For you, that monster bass. You know who that is? That's Herbie Flowers. What 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 other famous song is Herbie Flowers on? 
Oh, I, you know what? I read this earlier. I can't remember. What is it? Tell me. Uh, from Transformer, Lou Reed's Walk on the Wild. Oh, side. that's right. Okay, okay. He used yeah, two I... bases. He used an electric and a stand-up. And one glisses with the 10th chord up, one glisses down. It's the most econo part, man, but it's it's fucking signature. You know that bass line right away. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's great. And what he does, if you listen to that bass, he's because the song's in D. So he's tuning the E string down as they're playing. Now, the drummer man is Jim Gordon. Jim Gordon's in Vacaville prison for the criminally insane. He killed his mother with a claw hammer in the 90s. That's terrible. But uh, he does, he's all over a pretzel logic. He, Ricky, don't lose that number. That's Jim Gordon. Listen to that, how he builds that song up. Oh, wow. Okay. No idea. Yeah, yeah. And then Harry Nielsen, I think this is his only rock song that he recorded. Yeah, and I didn't. I, I knew this song, but I didn't realize it was on his seventh, it, He was. this was already his seventh album. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a B-side of a single. Okay. But, you know, it's 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 got the spirit, even though, like you said, 1971, to me, it's got the spirit of the movement. We could make each other happy, you know? Yeah, yeah. You can climb the mountain, you can swim the sea, you know, you can jump into the fire, but you're never gonna be free. We can make each other happy. There's something about that spirit, you know what, what I mean? And and again, not three chords, one fucking chord. In fact, he had a big hit with a one chord song called Lime in the Coconut. Whole fucking song is C7. Okay. In fact, I think he's on everything. He overdubs his voices. Yeah. <laughs> and Nelson is trippy cat. Scared to get, never did gigs. Stage fright. Oh, uh, okay. But uh, yeah, for this one, I feel like the subversive, one of the subversive things about it is that it keeps going. Where you wouldn't think it, they just keep vibing and going on it. And that's kind of subversive. And that's what's really cool about it for me. Yeah. That drum solo too, Jim Gordon does, is incredible. It's great. It's really kicking up much dust. It's, it, it just goes to show you music is music and just where it ends up in the timeline it's kind of coincidence that we're all part of this tradition you know like John Coltrane says it's a big reservoir you know yeah they're drinking from it or you're pissing in it but <laughs> <laughs> alright well this was uh, what man this was really great you gave me like I said you gave me a great list you gave me the songs MB3s you did half my work for me so I really appreciate that I want to have it anything about look i couldn't play that because i couldn't find it right 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 exactly no i wouldn't do that i, I would uh, i would let you know i know i'm just having fun <laughs> all right so mike the best way to know what's going on i know i see mikewatt.com basically goes to your hoot page right i'm go to the hoot page yep and uh I, I think the most you you are so goddamn busy but i saw fun you just put out a fun that funhouse record with larry mullins right yeah 52 years ago Last week, Funhouse came out, so it's a tribute, especially to our lost brothers, brother Steve McKay and the Ashton brothers, Ronnie and Scotty. Yeah, Harry just loved the guys, you know. And we got to help that band out a lot. And love Iggy's still going. James Williamson, not playing as much music, but uh, you know, the Stooges. I got to tell you, Rob, without the Stooges, I don't know if we would have even had a, a movement. Like they're ground zero in a way. They're kind of like ground zero, right? Absolutely. And I got to go to the well. Yeah, she did. <laughs> right? The old guy on the porch. There you go. But you're still all right. So, and Afternoon Freak is kind of it is. There's a new release just came out from uh, the, your other project, uh, Afternoon Freak, right? I, I got a lot of things coming out. I got an opera. Now, I didn't write the libretto. Charlie Plymel did. It's called Planet Chernobyl. Me, me and Petra Hayden, Charlie Hayden's daughter, she played violin, mandolin, and singing, and I brought bass. It's really Kano. It's a really trippy piece. Oh, that's, that's awesome. That sounds awesome. Yeah. All you know, right. 
situation, I did a lot of collaborations uh, trading files over the Internet. Okay. And uh, a lot of that stuff is coming out now, but also stuff in the moment, too. Uh, new MSSV uh, is getting developed, you know, with Mike Baguetta, Steve Hodges. I, I, I got a lot of, uh, you know, there in the old days, we put out records as flyers to get people to gigs. Well, I still do that, but now I also consider them documents. Right. Just like I got to give you 12 documents today. Yep. And and maybe one of the the most not the most important thing, but the, the most interesting thing going on right now, you have a a hot sauce <laughs> that you're that's in, oh, with yeah, your name, yeah. El uh, yeah, right. Enojado El Enojado Hot Sauce, uh, which I right. I just ordered a bottle today because I'm a big hot sauce fan and it sounded awesome, so I just ordered a bottle. <laughs> Kevin Chanel, I've known a long time. He's a younger man than me. He's one of the cousins of the Zeros, an old uh, punk band from the San Diego area, and. Uh, he he asked me about ingredients, and you know, I've I've made my own stuff before, so I gave him some things I tried, and he went for it, and it tasted good, so he went for it. Awesome. Well, I can't wait. I uh, like I said, I put my order in, so I'll, I'll give my review on that when it comes out. Yeah, it's a verdict. <laughs> All right. So uh, don't forget, everyone. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at that record got me high. Also, that Facebook group got me high on Twitter. It's at trgmh podcast. You can email me at trjmh33 at gmail.com. And if you want to become a patron of the show, go to patreon.com forward slash trjmh. Uh, Mike, I got to tell you, I, I appreciate so much you coming on. And, you know, I didn't get to say this the last time, but I, I just I always feel in a way I, I feel like kind of a kindred spirit because my best friend, Dan Hosker, who I played in a band with and I was my best friend for 28 years, uh, about 10 years ago, got killed, got hit by a car and got killed. And when oh, I hear you talk about D Boone, I know I, I, I know he's always he always lives in your heart and you always manage to bring him up. And I know he's such a big part of you. And I feel the same way for my best friend. So uh, it, it's just, you know, it's a beautiful thing, though, that we get to go on and bring their and keep their memory alive, you know, and, and do that. Absolutely they deserve and then we got the opportunity exactly exactly and it's great i appreciate that you don't take that for granted and you're so goddamn busy i don't know when you sleep uh <laughs> but uh i hope you do i hope you get to uh i hope you get I to do. rest i do i wake up at like four or five in the morning but then i conk at eight oh, okay that's that's very un, un punk rock of you but that sounds very reasonable <laughs> well <laughs> We let the fleet fly. It's just where life got me. I'm 64 now. I hear you. I hear you. I'm right behind you, buddy. All right, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks so much again. It was a real treat. Anytime. Thanks, everyone. Anytime. We'll see you guys again. Thanks, Mike. Safe seas, bro. All right, we're out of here. Are you with me, Doctor Wu? Doctor Wu. Are you really just a shadow?